0: Hey readers, before we start the next chapter, last time, Gilly was teaching William Ernest how to fight and how to stick up for himself. And I asked you to think about why Gilly thinks it's so important that William Ernest learns these things. Why is it so important that William Ernest learns to stick up for himself? Here is what you guys had to say. I think it's so important for William Ernest to know how to stick up for himself and fight is because it's because um, he, he needs to know because he can't run away. He, if he doesn't if he doesn't if he doesn't know how to do it, he might get hit or hurt. I think it's super important for William Ernest to you know how to stand up for himself because without knowing how to stand up for yourself. You get picked on in real life, and, like, you just wouldn't be able to survive on Earth. I could not imagine myself not being able to stand up for myself. Because sometimes I'm the one that's getting picked on, and I'm always able to stand up for myself and to, like, g- get the other person back. So without being able to do that, your wife could o- could honestly be a very bad and poor wife. So I think that you always just doing that just to teach him how life works. And not necessarily that like she likes William Ernest, but like she's trying to do it just to teach William Ernest. So I think that Gilly Super like really wants um, William Ernest to learn how to defend himself is because she doesn't like seeing people who can't defend herself because she can defend herself super good. Like she can beat up people super well. She's like really good at punching people and like making sure they leave her alone. She wants to teach it to him because she knows that he's not going to be with Miss Trotter for that much longer, and she wants to make sure that he knows how to stand up for himself. Hi, this is Sabrina, and I think Kelly thinks it's super important for William Ernest to learn how to like fight because when you're a foster child, you're always getting moved around, and you might get put in a family with like a kid. It's not very kind to you, and they hit you when the parents aren't watching, you need to know how to stand up for yourself. And that's why she thinks it's very important for William Ernest to learn that. Bye. And that was Sabrina. I think that it's really important for Gilly that um, that William Ernest knows how to fight because, um, like, I think she's seen him when... Um, when kids when kids are wanting to like fight him or say something mean to him, and he doesn't stand up for himself, and I think she was like that when she was with the Nevins because, like, because she said that she went all soft, and she like yeah she went all soft, and she did, and she wants William Ernest to stand up for himself when people say something mean to him. And I think she's actually starting to really like him. The Great Gilly Hopkins, Chapter 10, The Visitor. The week before Thanksgiving, Mr. Randolph came down with the flu. It wasn't a bad case as flu goes, but he was an old man, and any kind of sickness, as Trotter said, was harder on the old. So, with many rest stops for Trotter to recapture her wind, she and Gilly brought the rollaway cot down from the attic and set it up in the dining room, turning the never-used room into a sick room for Mister Randolph. There had been a great discussion as to whether Big Lawyer's son should be notified, but Mister Randolph was sure that if his son knew he was sick, he would be snatched away to Virginia and never to return again. Trotter recognized this appalling possibility, but maintained that there was some moral obligation to inform next of kin when one took to one's bed. Suppose he just shows up one day and finds you sick, then he won't trust you no more. He's sure to take you away then. But Mr. Randolph thought it was worth the risk, and they had compromised by having Mr. Randolph move in so Trotter could keep a close eye on him. Now what happens if you die on me? I promise not to die in your house. You have my solemn oath. Gilly, if he looks peaky, we carry him next door as fast as we can go. I ain't gonna be sued by no big Virginia lawyer. Mr. Randolph raised up on the rollaway. If I die on you, you can sue me, Mrs. Trotter. You can take me for every cent I have. He lay back, giggling and gasping. Hm, every cent. You won't even have no social security if you're dead better not die, that's all I gotta say. I promise not to die, but with these two beautiful ladies nursing me, I may decide to remain ill for a long, long time. Well, that's a chance I gotta take, beautiful as I am. But if you ain't well for a week from today, you're gonna miss out on the turkey and stuffings. So Mr. Randolph swore a solemn oath to be well by Thanksgiving. As it turned out, He was a little better, but by then, both Trotter and William Ernest were down with the bug. Trotter fought going to bed, but her fever was high, and she was too dizzy to stand up. Despite her protests, Gilly stayed home from school, Tuesday and Wednesday, to nurse the three of them, and Thanksgiving Day found her exhausted from going up and down the stairs and from bedside to bedside. It occurred to her that if she got sick too, nobody would blame her for collapsing, but of course, she didn't catch anything, except irritability from not sleeping properly and worrying. She called Mr. Randolph's doctor, Trotter's doctor, and the pediatrician, but no one gave her any help. The patients were to stay in bed and take aspirin for the fever. Gilly chopped an aspirin in half with the butcher knife for William Ernest. One piece flew out of sight under the stove and another piece, which she got down the boy's throat with no little difficulty, came up again promptly along with the bowl of soup she coaxed down earlier. She was afraid to try any more aspirin. Trotter told her to wipe his face and arms and legs with a cold cloth, which seemed to help the fever a little, but the child was still miserable, and clean as she might, the smell of old vomit hung in the room. The whole house was a mess, in fact. Even rooms like the living room and kitchen, which nobody but she went into, began to look as though they had been bombed. She was simply too whipped to pick up after herself. By Thursday, she couldn't have cared less about Thanksgiving. The turkey Trotter had bought was relentlessly defrosting on the refrigerator shelf, but there was nothing else to remind her as she sat at the kitchen table, dressed in jeans and a shrunken t-shirt, chewing her late breakfast of bologna sandwich that the rest of the nation would soon be feasting and celebrating. The doorbell rang. She jumped at the sound. Her first fear was that lawyer's son had not believed Mr. Randolph's excuses for not coming to Virginia for Thanksgiving and had come to get him. Then, with annoyance, she realized that it was probably Agnes Stokes sneaking around to find out why Gilly had skipped school for two days. But when she opened the door, it was to a small, plump woman whose gray hair peeked out from under a close-fitting black felt hat. She wore black gloves and a black and tweed overcoat, which was a little too long to be fashionable, and carried a slightly worn black alligator bag over one arm. The woman, who was an inch or so shorter than she was, looked up into Gilly's face with a sort of peculiar expression. Whether frightened or hungry, Gilly couldn't say. At any rate, it made her shift uncomfortably and push at her bangs until she remembered two of Trotter's trusty sentences for emergency use and offer both of them. We're not buying anything today, thank you, and we're faithful members of the Baptist Church. She hurried to close the door. No, wait, please, the lady said. Galadriel Hopkins? Gilly yanked at the door. "'Who are you?' she blurted out, as awkwardly as William Ernest might have. "'I'm... it was the woman's turn to look uncomfortable. "'I'm... I suppose I'm your grandmother.' Somehow Gilly would have been less surprised if the woman had said, "'Fairy godmother.' "'May I come in?' Dumbly, Gilly stepped back and let her. The sound of snoring poured forth from the dining room. Gilly willed the woman not to look, not to stare at the funny little brown face poked up above the faded quilt, the mouth gaped and trembling with, easy, with each noisy breath. But of course, the woman looked, jerked her head slightly at the sight, and then turned quickly back to Gilly. Gilly, honey, who is it? Damn, Chotter must have heard the bell. Okay, Chotter, I got it, Gilly yelled as she tugged her shrunken t-shirt, the last half-clean one, and tried to make it cover her navel. "'Wanna sit down?' she asked the visitor. "'Yes, please.' Gilly led the way into the living room and backed up to the couch, sticking a hand out toward the brown chair. Plunk. They both sat down in unison like string puppets, the lady right on the edge of the chair so that her short feet could touch the floor. So, the woman was bobbing her little black hat. Did anyone in the world wear hats these days? So, Gilly was trying to take it in. This this little old lady in an old-fashioned coat and hat was Courtney's mother? In all Gilly's fantasies, Courtney had never had a mother. She had always been existing from before time, like, like a goddess in perpetual perfection. I'm right, aren't I? You are Galadriel? Her voice was southern but smooth, like silk to Trotter's burlap. Gilly nodded. My daughter... The woman fumbled in her purse and brought out a letter. My daughter left home many... She snapped the purse shut and raised her eyes to meet Gilly's puzzled ones. Many years ago, I... My husband and I never... I'm sorry... Helplessly, Gilly watched the little woman stumbling for words, trying to tell a painful story and not knowing how. My husband, she tried to smile. Your grandfather died nearly 12 years ago. Perhaps she should say something, thought Gilly. "Geez, that's too bad. Yes, yes it was. The woman was pushing hard against the words to keep from crying. Gilly knew the trick. Oh boy, how well she knew that one. We... I tried to contact Courtney, your mother, at the time, of course, but I i was not able to. In fact, the pitch of her voice went up. She stopped trying to talk and took a handkerchief from her purse, barely touching each nostril before putting it away. Go ahead and blow, honey, and will make you feel better. Trotter would have said it, but Gilly couldn't quite get it out. As a matter of fact, the woman had recovered herself enough to continue. As a matter of fact, this letter... This letter is the first direct word we've, I've, had from my daughter in 13 years. You're kidding, said Gilly. She felt sorry, even though the woman's pain didn't seem to have anything to do with her. I didn't even know she'd had a babe. Wouldn't you think she'd want her own mother to know she'd had a baby? This was obviously the point where she, Gilly, was supposed to come into the story, but it still seemed far too remote, like something that had happened once to a friend, to a, of a friend. She tried to nod in a sympathetic manner. Gilly, I called you and called you. William Ernest stood clutching the doorway for support, his face still flushed with fever. He was dressed in his long grayish-white underwear. At the sight of a stranger, he stopped dead. The woman looked at him once hard, then as she had done with Mr. Randolph, she looked quickly away. "'I'm sorry, W.E., Gilly said. I didn't hear you call me. What's the matter?' As soon as she asked, she knew. His long johns were wet all down the front. Gilly jumped up. "'Excuse me, I'll be right back.' She hustled the boy back to his room as fast as you could hustle a boy who was still weak from fever and lack of food. It was hard to be patient with him on the stairs.' "'You shouldn't have come down, William Ernest. "'You're sick.' "'I'm wet,' he said sadly. "'I couldn't help it,' she sighed. "'I know. "'When you're sick, you just can't help it.' "'She got him the last clean underwear, "'which was short and wouldn't be as warm, "'and changed his sheets. "'She took a dry blanket off her own bed. "'He climbed in and turned his back to her at once, "'his strength exhausted. "'Gilly, honey!' Trotter called drowsily as Gilly passed her door. You got company down there? Just playing the TV. Gilly smoothed her hair and tugged again at her shirt as she went down the stairs. She knew she looked a wreck. She must have shocked the poor old lady right out of her socks. The woman gave a weak smile and nodded when Gilly came in. You poor little thing, she said. Gilly looked behind to see if W.E. had followed her down. Bless your heart. There was no one else around. Me? Courtney didn't exaggerate. I'm just so glad you wrote her, my dear. How could they have put you in such a place? Me? What was the woman talking about? What place? I know I shouldn't have burst in upon you like this, but I felt I had to see for myself before I talked with your caseworker. Will you forgive me, my dear, for... There was a heavy thump, thump, thumping on the stairs. Both of them sat stark still and listened as it drew inexorably nearer. Oh, the little lady gasped. Swaying in the doorway was a huge barefoot apparition in striped men's pajamas, gray hair cascading over its shoulders, a wild look in its eyes. I forgot, it was moaning as it swayed. I forgot, it grabbed frantically at the woodwork. I forgot. Gilly sprang to her feet. What did you forget, Damn it! The turkey! Trotter was almost sobbing now. Fifteen dollars and thirty-eight cents and I'll let it go to rot. She gave no sign that she noticed the visitor. Nothing's gone to rot. I would have smelled it, wouldn't I? Gilly couldn't help sneaking a sideways glance at the little woman, who looked almost as frightened as W.E. did when he spied a new word in his reading book. Go back to bed, Trotter. I'll put it right in the oven. The huge woman made an effort to obey, but nearly fell down just trying to turn around. I better sit a minute, she panted. My head's light. Gilly grabbed the back of the striped pajamas with both hands and half-dragged, half-supported the faltering frame toward the couch. But she knew, just as one knows when piling on one final block, that the tower will fall. She knew they couldn't make it. Oh, mercy! Trotter gave a little cry as she came crashing down, pinning Gilly to the rug beneath her. The woman lay there, flapping on her back like a giant, overturned tortoise. "'Well, i had done it now!' she gave a short, hysterical giggle. "'Squishy-juicy!' "'What? What is it?' The third nightclosed actor had made his entrance. "'You all right, ain't you, Gilly-honey?' asked Trotter, and without waiting for an answer. It's all right, Mr. Randolph, but someone fell. I heard someone fall. Yeah, I fell all right. Trotter was rocking her huge trunk in a vain effort to get to her feet. But it's okay, ain't it, Gilly Honey? Just roll, Trotter, said a muffled voice. Just roll over and you'll be off me. What's that? What's that? Mr. Randolph squeaked. It's poor little Gilly, Trotter gunned, and with a supreme, uh, rolled off onto the floor. Miss Gilly? He was asking anxiously. I'm okay, Mr. Randolph. Gilly got up, dusted herself off, then took him by the hand. Let's get you back into bed. By the time she returned from the dining room, Trotter had somehow hoisted herself into a sitting position on the couch, and dizzily clutching the cushions with both hands, had found herself face-to-face with a white-faced stranger. "'You said wasn't no one here,' she accused Gilly. The visitor, for her part, was teetering on the absolute brink of the brown chair in what Gilly took to be a state of total shock. But the small lady proved capable of speech. "'I think I'd better go,' she said, standing up. "'I don't seem to have come at a very good time.' Gilly followed her to the door, eager to get her out of the loony bin the house had suddenly become. I'm glad to have met you, she said as politely as she could. She had no wish for the woman to think poorly of her. After all, she was, or at least she claimed to be, Courtney's mother. The woman paused, resisting Gilly's efforts to hurry her out the door. She reached over abruptly and pecked Gilly on the cheek. I'll get you out of here soon, she whispered fiercely. I promise you I will. Fatigue had made Gilly stupid. She simply nodded and closed the door quickly behind the little form. It wasn't until she'd gotten Trotter back in bed and was putting the turkey in the oven that the woman's meaning came clear. Oh my God. Well, it didn't matter what the woman thought. Miss Ellis could explain about today. No one can make her leave here, not when anybody needed her so. Besides, Trotter wouldn't let them take her. Never, she had said. Never, never, never. Wow, in this chapter, Gilly meets her grandmother for the first time. And she learns that Courtney, Gilly's mother has not been in touch with her mother for 13 years. Can you imagine not talking to a person, let alone your mom, for 13 years? Why do you think that Courtney hasn't spoken to her mom in this long? Make a guess based on what you know about Gilly, Courtney, and the grandmother. Send me a voice message.